fix, just so you know. Yeah, good morning, yay. So, Pastor Doug made me take my hat off, y'all. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. He actually told me I can wear it, but I just took it off just because, you know, what Paul says we don't want to offend anyone and old heads and old people, you know, anybody who's over like 35 probably could never come into a house with their hat still on. And so, you know, we just, we honor where honors due. And so actually, I'd love to just read two verses. You don't have to turn there. I'd prefer you to just listen. Um, 1 Timothy 5.17. 1 Timothy 5.17 reads, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. That was 1 Timothy 5.17 read you another verse. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13 uh, reads, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. And so I couldn't begin this morning without just giving honor to the elders, to the pastors, to everyone who serves and labors here in word and in everything else that's happening. If you were here on Sunday morning last week, we saw this beautiful thing of where the, uh, the family got together and the Bowens, and it was just, man, honor. I was not raised in church, and that was beautiful. And so could we just honor the men of God and the elders that serve here and labor among us and give opportunity to young men like myself and others to serve? We just honor you guys. We love you guys. Double honor, the Bible declares. And so as we get into the holiday season, I'm sure, Pastor Doug, you have many ways to bless him and honor him with your love, with your gifts, with mainly praying for him. And so gifts and all the other things, too. He likes all the other things, too. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, Okay, blessing. Blessing this morning to speak to you and just to, to sow into you and to just stir your heart and love this. This is, this is family, and it's amazing. So one thing I love about Harvest um, and just speakers in general, I love transparent speakers. I love it when someone is teaching and preaching from a place of what they're going through in their life with the Lord. I don't know about you. I love a story, for instance, like Pastor Rifle riding on his Harley you know, he's on his Harley, and the Lord's teaching him something, and then he comes and he shares that, and it's, it's, it's beautiful. And so, you know, in keeping with the golden rule, I just want to do a little bit of that this morning and do unto others as I like done unto me. So I'd love to just share a little bit and just be a little transparent. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. So uh, many, of you, many of you might be familiar with my story a little bit. So 2008, I'm a 21-year-old kid. I get strung out on drugs, and I go to prison. And in 2014, um, I get out as a 28-year-old man. And it was quite a learning experience. I went in. I didn't grow up knowing God, going to church. I'm from Russia, and, you know, we weren't, we weren't fortunate enough to have that. And so about halfway through, I had an awesome encounter with the Lord. He just completely wrecked my life for the better, filled me with his spirit, and just, man, got my motor running. Okay. So I went in, just addicted young kid, and just came out, you know, a man on fire for God, wanting, wanting to serve him, wanting to live for him. And so that's been 16 months now. I've been home 16 months, and 
You know, it's been quite a transition in many ways. You know, one way, for sure, I used to spend gobs of time with him. You know, just meditating and praying in the spirit. We get Bibles. We do a lot. But just personally, me and God, we had a lot of time. And coming home, I began to see, you know, with this transition, kind of my time with God very crowded. And so there's a lot of normal situations that this could happen. And for instance, you're newly married or you have a new kid, right, or a kid. Ask a mom if her life is going to be crowded if she has a kid. You get a new job, you get a promotion, you get new hours, new class, new school. So change will happen as each season opens. And so for me, it was quite a transition. I went to school. I started my associates in 05, trying to finish that now and work. I have a big family and hobbies. Half of Shore Pump didn't exist when I left. And so there's a lot of things for me to get into, right? And so, um, yeah, so my time with God began to be crowded. And, and so... So while it was okay to adjust, I think it's okay to adjust, it's okay to have a different season, uh, I think what isn't okay is to let any priority, those priorities, have first place and have his place. And so I just want to share a little bit from that place of of that and and God just teaching me and, and dealing with me about this and how to function in society, how to function in a job and the busyness of life and so I'd love to just share a few verses and just share out of my life. Is that cool? Awesome. So if you would, we're going to have most of these verses on projection. If you like turning there in your own device Bible, I'm going to come out. Uh, first verse is going to be Ro- uh, Revelations chapter 2. We're going to read verse 1 through 5. Revelations 2, 1 reads, and I'm a King James. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm going to use two NIV verses, but I just, I'm barbaric. I get this. You see the beard. Uh, unto the angel, and I'm serious, King James, is there like, what is he saying? So unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, and this is Jesus speaking from chapter one, these things says he that holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, I know your works and your labor and your patience. And how you cannot bear them which are evil, and you have tried them which say they're apostles and are not, and have found them to be liars, and have borne and had patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. And so we have Jesus talking to church, talking to believers, and he's saying, guys, I see your works. I see your labor. I see you're contending for my name. I see the things that you're doing. But this next verse I could just read from here. I'm going to read from here. Uh, Revelations 2, verse 4, he says, Nonetheless, I have this against you, this charge, because you have left, you've forsaken your first love. And this is, he's talking to a believer, he's talking to a church. And so, you know, I've read commentaries and so on. And, you know, is this talking about like love in the body? Is this talking about, and I love the amplified version. It says it very simple. It says, you have forsaken me, your first love. And so the Lord began to deal with me about, um, you know, that he has to be my first love. He has to be first and priority in my life, in the busyness of life. And so I'm looking at this covenant. Our relationship with the Lord is likened to a marriage. Romans 7 and other places where it's a covenant of where you and him become one, where you come into a marriage. And so imagine if you're, in a, if you're married or if a man is married to a woman and he's, he's doing, you know, he's 
buying her things. He bought her a car. Let's say, you know, he lets her get her nails done, whatever. He does things for her. But there's this one charge against him that he stopped being in love with her. Now, how weighty would the things that he's doing be? Shouldn't those things flow out of the fact that he's in love with her? And so, while the, the works are great and they're necessary, Jesus came to serve, you know, the Lord began to deal with me and show me that uh, a lot of the things I was doing, and, and I'll share a little bit later maybe, um, weren't sin. You know, we, we'd go and we'd minister on the campus. We'd go to MCV. We're at Monroe Park. You know, I'm in small groups. I'm doing things. I'm here every morning, every Sunday morning, not every morning. And, but, but I got to a place where he wasn't the first thing I thought about in the morning, where he wasn't the song that my heart was singing. It was, oh, the busyness of life. I went to bed too late. I'm rushing in the morning. I got to get to work. From work, I'm in school. When school's over, I got either group or dinner with friends. And nowhere in that whole day did you hear me mention Jesus. And so he began to just stir my heart that uh, I wasn't loving him as my first love as I did when we had a lot of time, okay? And so you can kind of see this Mary-Martha principle, if you're familiar with that. Jesus comes into town, and he goes into Mary and Martha's house. Now, Jesus is coming to your house. Picture that. Not Pastor Doug and Cindy Watson are coming over for dinner. You're like, clean everything. Let's get, set our best out. No, Jesus himself is coming, right? And so Martha, like any good Middle Eastern woman, is getting her house right, doing all the busyness of life. And Mary, her other sister, the Bible says, as Jesus came and he's teaching, she was seated at the feet. And that's proverbial to, you know, just spending time with him, sitting with him. And Martha, throwing her sister under the bus, says, Lord, she, listen, she tells right, right to Jesus. She's like, Lord, are you okay with, or, can you tell my sister to come and help me in the kitchen? Thinking justified, like, I know he's going to be like, woman, you need to, and guess what? And he says, Martha, Martha, you're so cumbered with the cares of this life, so many things and so many worries. He said, but Mary, he said, one thing is required. And Mary has chosen that good thing, and it will not be taken from her, right? And so I'm meditating. I'm thinking, like, I know in the, the whole of Scripture, Jesus said he didn't come to be served but to serve. So he's not saying that we're to just sit and just worship the entire day away and be in a monastery somewhere, hallelujah, but there's no work. No one's getting saved. No one's getting, you know, Thanksgiving isn't happening. People aren't getting preached to. He's not saying that. He's saying one thing is required. The reason he says it that way is because uh, everything about our life must flow from that place of where we spend time with him. School and ministry and work, every, that's the one thing. So the way we live our life should flow from a place of intimacy and relationship and God, you, I love you, and I thank you, and I go to work, and I love you, and I serve there. And whatever I'm doing, wherever I'm doing it, it flows from a place of, wow, this is all about you. And I got away from that place. And the Lord showing me lovingly many things and in many ways that I don't have time to, to explain. But one thing he showed me, and I want to look at a man of God who loved other things. And he, he showed this to me, and it convicted my heart. It, it, it cut me and... and it was good because the Bible says the love that God corrects those he loves. And that's just the most loving thing that a parent can do is tell you truth and speak and give you good advice. So look with me in 1 Kings chapter 11. I want to look at 
a man by the name of Solomon. First Kings chapter 11. We're going to just zip through maybe nine verses really quick and then we'll unpack it and see where the Lord, see where the Lord goes. First Kings 11 verse 1 reads, but King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughters of Pharaoh and Moabites, Ammonites, all the ites. Verse 2, and of the nations concerning which the Lord said to the children of Israel, you shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clung unto these in love. Verse 3, he had 700 wives and princesses and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. Verse 4, it came to pass When Solomon was old, that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Asherah and the Zidonians and Milcom, all these other gods. Verse 6, And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as as did David his father. And Solomon built high places for all these gods in Jerusalem and all these places. Verse 8, Likewise he did for all his strange wives, which burnt incense and sacrificed to their God. Verse 9, And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord of God of Israel who had appeared unto him twice. So Solomon, who is Solomon? Solomon is the product of David, King David. Solomon is a PK. For those of you who don't know what that means, he's a preacher's kid. He's raised in the house of King David. The Bible says this is a man after God's own heart. If there was a, a man to raise you, David was a good man of God. Amen? Because he, he kind of, you know, he got his life together. And after Solomon, he didn't have a lot of mistakes. So he, he raised this boy. This is the king. I mean, he's a preacher. That's his dad. Then Solomon himself, we have so many things about this guy. He, he becomes a preacher himself. The Bible says he's the wisest man because God gives him wisdom. There's three books that Solomon himself has authored in your Bible. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. Three books that are in your Bible written by a man of God. And yet, we see, verse 1 opens up with, wow, he's in love with something else, with someone else. The Bible says he clung unto these women and these gods and these relationships. And so, the... The greatest command then and now has always been love the Lord your God with all your heart, then and now. And so, you know, we see that happen in in Jesus' ministry and so on, uh, where men have that conversation. That verse appears in Deuteronomy the first time. And so, being fair to that scripture, having looked up that word love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, it's the Hebrew word ahav. And ahav means three things. The first definition is to pant or breathe after. The second definition is to delight in. And the third definition is to be in love with. And so then and now, there's been one cry from heaven from your father is to breathe after, to pant after him, to delight in him, to be in love with him. That's what what Christianity is. That's what relationship with God is. You know, we're not only called to Sunday service attendance. We're called to breathe and pant after him. It's all about him. Life is about him, right? And so, so here's a man who believes in God, was raised in the word, 
has been to church. The Bible said in verse 9 that he had two encounters with God. Jesus appearing to him. And his heart, the Bible says, was nonetheless turned to these other saints. So don't, don't let the number of the women distract you. That's the fruit. The root of the matter in verse 6. Can we have verse 6, Jess? Look at verse 6. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. What's the evil? It's not the women. Here's the evil that he went not fully after the Lord. He went not fully. And when I saw that man, it was me. I was going after the Lord. I'm here on Sundays. I'm preaching. I'm helping. I'm serving. I'm praying. I'm in school. I'm doing all the things. But in my heart, I was not going fully after the Lord. That, that word heart in those nine verses is used six times. And Solomon's heart belonged to something else. And, um, you know, something Pastor Rifle had mentioned a few weeks back, teaching about guarding your heart and guarding your mind, that this all didn't happen overnight. Building all these temples, marrying all these women, getting all, that didn't just happen overnight. It was a slow fade, a progression of where something else began to have attention of his heart. Something else began to have his time. And so now he begins to look and he begins to see like David. And so now this ball, this huge avalanche begins to roll where now you're like, my God, this, like, that is ungodly. 700 wives, like, and, and so how does he get to that? How does a man of God get to that place? And I think it, it happens somewhere here where a part of our heart begins to grab a hold of something else. For Solomon, it was women. And so, so what I see here from Revelations and this verse in my life is there's this dichotomy, this two, the separation of what you see on the outside and what's happening on the inside. Completely two different things. The way it should flow is every, you know, our life flows from the inside out. What's in the heart will come out. But sometimes you can look at, for instance, a man of God like Solomon, and you can see, man, like, this dude is a preacher. I mean, as a matter of fact, turn with me to First, uh, First Kings, I'm sorry. We're going to stay in First Kings in verse 4, uh, chapter 4. First Kings, chapter 4, verse 30 through 34. 1 Kings, so you just flip back a couple of chapters. 1 Kings 4, verse 4, 30 through 34, and it reads, And Solomon's wisdom excelled in the wisdom of all the children of the east country and the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all men. This guy, Ethan, Haman, Chalcol, Darda, all these guys. And his fame was in all nations round about. And he spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. Look at verse 34. And there came of all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all kings of the earth which had heard of his wisdom. On the outside, this guy's reputation was wow. The kings of all the earth are like, man, we got to go check this guy out. The Bible says 3,000 proverbs are coming out of his mouth. The songs he wrote, a thousand songs, man. This guy is a worship leader. He's a preacher. He's a teacher. 
His reputation on the outside is, man, he's got his stuff together. But inside, the Bible says, he was not going fully after the Lord. And sometimes it's, uh, it's easy to get into that place. Okay, you hear that, oh yeah, you know that, kid, that guy or town? Yeah, man, these young kids, they're going out, they're doing these things. And so, you know, on the outside, we can, we can be doing the proper things, you know, praying for people and doing outreaches. Those are amazing. And so our reputation can be one thing among men, but our reputation with God could be something else. Look at Revelations chapter 3. Look at Revelations 3. Revelations 3, verse 1. To the angel of the church, guys, in Sardis, write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God or the sevenfold spirit and the seven stars. This is Jesus speaking to believers. He says, guys, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. And so we can have a reputation on the outside among men. Woo, did you see him in worship? That man was going crazy. He was on his knees. He was crying, you know, Monday night. All this thing, you could see all of that on the outside. My reputation among you, Solomon's reputation is, man, this guy's got it together. But Jesus says, I see your heart and, and me and you, my friend, like you, you've forsaken my, you know. And so I, I see this, this divide of, you know, what we can see on the outside and what's happening on the inside. And for me, what matters most, of course, is, you know, what is your reputation in the secret place? That's really a good starting place because if that is flowing, that everything else about your life, if you're doing the one thing where you and I are spending time with him, learning who we are, learning what to do in life, how to be a good steward of our house and our job, man, that's, that's the flow of where safety is. And so... Man, I look at this guy, and when no one's looking, what's his heart look like? He's a worship leader. He's a preacher. And he's not going fully after the Lord. Something's wrong with that picture. Something's wrong with that picture. Somebody might say, okay, that's Old Testament or Tim. Here's the New Testament. Mark chapter 10. We're not turning there. Just listen. We don't have time. Jesus is walking, and a young man runs up to him. I call him the Mark 10 boy because we don't know his name. He runs up to him. He says, Lord, Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answers. He says, you know the law. What's written in it? Love the Lord your God. Love your mother. Honor. Don't steal. Don't kill. This young man says, from my youth I have kept these. Let's pause. This boy says he believes in God, has strived from youth to please him, knows the word. He's in the synagogue on Saturday, so he's in church. As any good Jew at this time, he probably keeps the feasts. He probably fasts. He probably helps the poor. I'm Jewish, by the way. Right? The story continues. The Bible says Jesus, beholding him, loved him. And said to him, one thing you lack, my friend, go and sell what you have, give to the poor, you'll have treasure in heaven, come pick up the cross and follow me. Pause one more time. Listen to the invitation. 
This man is given an opportunity to sow into the treasuries of heaven, into the stock of heaven itself, right? And if that wasn't good enough, Jesus gives him a position on his ministry team, says, come on, get on the team, let's go. So you figure the answer would be, I'll be right back. Let me go sell everything, and here I come. But yet, the Bible says, this man hangs his head, and he walks away grieved because he had many possessions. On the outside, you look, he's in church, he believes the word, he knows all those things, but is he loving the Lord with all his heart? He can't. Why? Because something in him is not allowing him to go fully after the Lord. For him, it was money. For Solomon, it was women. In Mark chapter 4, look at Mark chapter 4 with me. Mark 4, verse 18 and 19, Jesus is teaching the parable of the sower. The sower sows the, the seed, which is the word, and the ground is the heart. Mark chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, read, Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word. And so that was me. I wasn't really going after the money. For me, the problem was the desires for other things. The busyness of life, I had gotten away from the things I did at first. We didn't read that verse in Revelations. And so the thing that life is about, now all of the things that the, the hand of the Lord had given me a job and my family and a car and, and school, the opportunity, the things that the hand of the Lord had given me had become more important in my life than the giver. And, and, and that's, just, that's just not okay. That's not okay. It's, it's okay to have new seasons and change and adjustment and all those things, but, you know, there's a hard verse, and I, I meditate on this. I chew everywhere. I turn it. I don't know which, what to do with it. Jesus says in Luke 14, he says, unless you love me more than you love mother and father and brother and son and daughter and even your own life, you cannot be my disciple. And so there's this, there's this thing that happens on the outside and this thing that happens on the inside. And for me, you know, I, I was grieved during that time. I wanted to spend time with him, but I'm not the greatest at time management and just a thousand excuses I had of why. And so days and weeks would go where I'm hit and miss. I spend time with him. And then, you know, all the busyness of life, if I have time, I'll get to him. And, you know, I just, I just don't think that's okay. All right? So, with a few minutes left, let me encourage you. Here's the, here's the encouraging part. Are you ready? This thing is doable, guys. This thing is so doable, it's not even funny how doable it is. And what am I saying? I'm saying, what is doable? To love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Listen, when I was a heroin addict, because that was my problem, I was a heroin addict. Heroin was my God. I woke up in the morning, I thought about heroin. When I'm at work, I thought about heroin. When I went to sleep, I thought about heroin. There was no, I would go to sleep later, I would wake up earlier. There was no friendship I wouldn't sacrifice on the altar of my God, heroin. There was nothing I wasn't willing to adjust in my life 
for heroin. How much more now where God, who's rescued me, who's loved me, who's been there for me, who's my only friend, who's my only redeemer, who's what life is about, who I'll stand before and give judgment of my life, who is life, how much more now him that he's my all? How much more can I adjust? How much more should I think about him? How much more would I give up any friendship that he says, no, nope, this isn't good, or a place or anything? What wouldn't I change? As I look at Jesus' life, zero to 30. Jesus was a young man. He went to yeshiva, I'm sure, went to school. The Bible says he was a carpenter. So Jesus, up until 30 years of age, he was a carpenter. The Bible says he had a mom. He had a stepdad. The Bible says he had brothers with an S. He had sisters with an S. He has a job. He has family. He has all those things. And yet the Bible says that the Lord was well pleased with him, that he loved the Lord with all his heart. From 30 to 33, the busiest years of Jesus' life and ministry. Over and over and over and over, I find Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where Jesus, way before the sun comes up, would get alone and spend time with his father. He would send the disciples away. Guys, go on the other side. I got to go spend time with my father. He'd send the crowds away. Nothing in his life, in his ministry, in his work, would not, it, nothing was bigger than, hey, I have to go and be with him. And he said, the servant is not greater than the master. And so sometimes where the busyness of life and priority shifts and things happen, man, the Lord gets the back burner and, and that's just not okay. It's not okay. And so I had to judge this in my heart and I had to pray through this and cry through this and repent through this because I want him. And I believe every one of you is here every Sunday morning because you want him. You want him. But maybe you're like me. Maybe some transition in your life has happened. Maybe some, some things, I don't know, this thing is individual for every one of us. Some of us, there's a grace, there's, there's things to carry. I don't have any children. People who have children, there's, there's a different thing for them. And so the adjustment will be different. But the thing I'm going after this morning is my desire and my heart and heaven's desire is that we would go fully after the Lord. Right? The Bible says there's no fear in love. Do you believe that verse? I want you to look around. The people you see here, you will spend probably eternity with. So if there isn't a place where we can't be honest, where we can't be free, where we can't talk about life and be real, then where is that place? Literally, one of these people can be your next door neighbor in heaven. So you might as well get ready to be free with them and, you know, and just and be honest with them. And so, like, uh, where we can talk about these things, where now I'm not having to, like, pretend how life is all well when really inside, you know, my relationship with him is dead and I'm forsaking my first love and the business of life. And where we can have places and, and friendships and relationship where somebody can say, hey, man, like, what's, what's, what's the relationship look like with the Lord? What's the Lord speaking to you lately? How's your, how's your secret time? 
And, and to have that place where we, can, where we can do that with one another. That's why we do these women's things and men's gatherings. That's why we do, we're about family. And so in a family, if there's no honesty and freedom and integrity, then, then what are we doing? And so this is, this is that place, guys. This is a place where we can talk free or we can be free. The Bible says we've been called to liberty. The body of Christ is the only thing that's free and alive on this earth. No other doctrine, no other religion. You try it and tell me. Look at the evidence. Jesus says you'll know them by their fruit. And so the fruit of our life here with Christ is, man, we're called to freedom. So I want to ask you a question as I move this out the way. I want to ask. If you would, close your eyes with me. Close your eyes with me. The command we're called to is to love the Lord our God with all our heart. That verse, to breathe after, to pant after, to desire, to delight in. And as it's just you and the Father, I want you to think about what has, what has been the delight of your heart lately? Is it football, Facebook, kids' soccer games? What, is, what have you been panting after? What has been priority in your life? What's number one priority in your life? One of the things I want you to picture and envision with me is as the Lord sees you, He does not see you with eyes of judgment and condemnation of where have you been? Why are these things taking my place? No, he sees you. He sees you in a heart with eyes of love. He sees you with eyes of love. James chapter 4 says, draw near to me. Draw near to me. Draw near to me. Draw near to me. The Bible says that he yearns for us jealously. He yearns for us jealously. He's worth it. He's worth your all. He's worth your all. He gave all. He gave his life. He gave his heart and he expects nothing less. So as we sit for just a few minutes, I'm going to dismiss you guys in five minutes. I don't want to call any prayer ministers up, any worship leaders. I want to open this altar for you if you want it. I want to open this altar for you if that's been you. If you've been in that place, like I was in that place, like Solomon was in that place, all I want to do is invite you to come. You want to get on your knees. You want to lay, lay out. You want to raise your hands to heaven. However that has to look for you. If you know that your heart has not gone fully after the Lord, if you know that you've been panting for something else, if you know that the Father's worthy of your life, He's worthy of your time, but He has not had priority in your life, I invite you come and to look into His face again. I invite you to come and to yearn and to jealously desire after Him and Him alone. I invite you come and pour your heart and love and adoration on Him again. I invite you come to say yes to him again this morning. I invite you come to take responsibility and to respond to this word this morning. 
to respond to the call from heaven to love the Lord your God with all your heart that nothing else should have priority in your life to stop this cycle and this wheel of days and weeks and months that have gone by where you know he hasn't been number one where you're not afraid to say God that's been me God that's been me God that's been me I've not been going fully I've not been going fully God you're worthy of it all and I've not given you it all God you've given your life and I haven't given you mine lately and so I invite you in this moment of freedom to come and to pour your heart out on him to come and renew your marriage vow to him and say God you first listen friends if they weren't willing to die on the cross for you they have to come second everything has to come second to him and it's not okay anymore and I invite you to come I invite you to come and draw near come and draw near come and draw near come and draw near he yearns jealously he loves you 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 he's willing to give his all for you he loves you so I invite you to press in press in come get on your face get on your knees Come, press in, press in, press in. He's what life is about. Life is too short to spend on anything else that's going to perish with the youth. God in Him alone. God in Him alone. Let the cry of your heart be God. You and you alone. You and you alone, God. For everyone else, intercede for your brothers. Intercede for your sisters, for those who are here now. Intercede for those who aren't here, who you know have not been loving the Lord with their all. Come on, we worship you, God. We worship you, God. We worship you, God. On, let's just spend a few minutes. We have a couple minutes. I finished early. Pour your heart out. Just you and him. Just you and him. Just you and him. You'll stand just before him. No one else will be there. He loves you with a mighty love. He loved you before he created the world. He did. He was willing to give it all for you. Oh, am I might. the heavens wide. And open the heavens wide. And open the heavens wide. Pour out your spirit on us. Jesus. Come on, don't be afraid to be indignified. Don't be afraid to cry out to him. Don't be afraid to lift your voice. Don't be afraid. He sees your heart. All things are open and naked unto him. He sees your heart. He knows.
Come on, pour it out, pour it out. Pour it out. Pour your heart out before him. Bring your heart and not your karma. Ask him to fill you afresh. Ask him to give you a thirst and a hunger for righteousness like you've never known before. Ask him for wisdom of how to adjust in life. Ask him. Ask him to be your number one. To be your beloved again. Thank you, God. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. It's nothing more worthy, God. You are what life is about, God, not work. You are what life is about, God, not ministry. You are what life is about, God. You're what life is about, God. worship you God press in for another minute or another minute press in press in tell him no no more it stops here tell him it stops here putting you on the back burner stops here God something else having priority stops here it stops today God I'll get on my knees and worship you and seek your face as the first thing I do in the morning it's the last thing I'll do in the morning it's you that my heart will cry after Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness, God. For your eyes of love and mercy, God. That you're always forgiving, God. Always drawing. Always longing, God. We are the thing you think after. That you pan after. The, the grains of sand on this earth outnumber the thoughts you have for us, God. So we take comfort in your love this morning. We take comfort in your love, God, that you're a good father, God, who looks over the horizon and you love us, God. We bless you, God. We bless your name. We bless your name. We bless your name, Father. So we bless you, Father. We bless you this morning for an opportunity to renew our love for you, God. We thank you, Father, for this morning. For your love for us, God, we thank you for your correction, God. We thank you, God, for just your love for us. We take comfort in you as a good father. So we bless you this morning. We say you're worthy of it all. We say, God, teach us how to long for you. God, teach us that as a deer pants after water, that our heart would pant and delight in you, God. That it would be you and you alone, Abba. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. So if you want to, re if you want to re remain and just worship and seek God, everybody else, you're dismissed. You can leave. If you want to linger for a few more minutes, do it. Just bless you. May you go. May you have a blessed day this, this morning. May you love him with everything from here on out. Thank you, Artem. Just want to uh, remind you.